Welcome, friends, to Workplace Injury Prevention, a fit-for-work podcast where we are bringing the power of prevention to you. I am your host, Curtis Kopotic, and I am joined by my co-host, Amber Brown, and we are excited to be kicking off the official Season 2 episode of Workplace Injury Prevention. Yeah, we're starting off the year talking to Matt Dennis with Premier Safety. They do a lot of gas detection and have equipment to rent and do education as well. So Matt will be telling us all about it in the following interview. All right, Matt, let's let our audience know how you got into working with gas testing and how have you seen it affect others' lives? Well, I got into uh, the safety business and gas detection uh, approximately about 10 years ago. I was working in a different industry and got pulled over to start working at Premier Safety. Just took a real uh, liking to working with folks with gas detection and trying to find ways to, to help it in their, in their jobs and to try to find them solutions to help them make their processes safer. Through this, um, I've helped seen it affect people's lives by just smaller companies that didn't have a good gas detection program by helping them to find solutions and find different options to get their guys the proper equipment in order to test for atmospheres and to calibrate and and check their instruments to make sure that they were using proper equipment, I think would be a big way that I've seen it help affect people's lives. So it seems like from the perspective of the employees, the ones who tend to be affected most would probably be smaller company employees as opposed to the bigger companies, just because they may not have the equipment or the knowledge of what to do as far as keeping track of uh, gas detection? Yeah, that's fair to say. You know, you see a lot of the the larger manufacturing, steel and, and power plant industries that have, you know, a lot of assets on hand to to do testing. And although we feel like we help them a great deal, I guess personally, I just see it as, you know, when you go into a little municipality or, you know, sewer department or something and see that they have, you know, a lot of outdated equipment that sits on the shelves and their employees, quite frankly, weren't using it at times because they didn't trust it. And so they were putting themselves at risk, I would say, a lot more than they had to. So just going in and trying to go over some new products and different solutions to ensure that they were properly maintaining their equipment and using it in the correct way, I feel has been a, a big positive for what I've seen in my 10 years of experience. That's awesome. So I'm guessing we've come a long way from the canary in the coal mines. So what are some of the expectations that OSHA has as far as regulation with exposure to different gases? So obviously OSHA has their standards. The big ones you know, is when they enter confined spaces, OSHA states that you have to use a properly calibrated instrument to do sampling or testing in the confined space before the employees are able to enter that confined space. So, you know, obviously we help customers to make sure that they have the tools to calibrate their instruments. We make sure that they have the equipment to draw a sample from a confined space so that they're able to get those readings back at the top of the confined space before they send their employees into those areas. Also, OSHA has permissible exposure levels that they put out there. There's some some of those that are a little bit outdated, but there's also, you know, where they say that you can be exposed to a certain amount of gas over an eight-hour period. 
So for instance, carbon monoxide, you know, there's limitations on what someone working in a steel mill can be exposed to without having to go into some type of a respirator. So OSHA mandates that. And those types of alarms are set on the gas monitors now. So the employees know or get an alarm if they would happen to go over those exposure levels during their workday. And going along with that, are there any PPEs that are required for gas exposure? Absolutely. That's one of the things with the exposure levels that you look at. Once they get to certain levels, they would come to us or come to their safety program and, and they would use respiratory protection, whether it be you know just a half mask with cartridges to um, block out or scrub out what they're up against. Sometimes they have to use a full face respirator to get a higher assigned protection value or even have to go under breathing air or wear a SCBA, a self-contained breathing apparatus, which you would see common in the fire industry, but they could use that um, tool to help them to have continuous breathing air for more exotic or, or higher concentration of gases. So random question, does using a fan, just blowing a fan into an area negatively or does that distort any sort of facts? Is that helpful in a situation or getting more airflow in an area or does individuals, are they better off not even considering that and just having relying only on the other type of PPE, such as the gas mask and things like that? No, that's a great point. It's it's always good to have, you know, a blower, whether it's, you know, connected through power or batteries, but there's blowing apparatus through vendors of ours like Air Systems or Allegra that would put out air into a confined space. And after you can run that for a set period of time, you know, the employee could use their gas monitor to recheck the area to see if that fresh air has, you know, dissipated some of the toxic gases or has brought up your uh, level of oxygen, which can be a, a big problem in confined spaces. And if that changes the atmosphere, then, you know, that is a better way, obviously, than having to have someone get into a respirator program. Okay, so that makes sense. You'd want to, that would be the preferred method. Now, as far as I know, I've never had an issue with gas exposure. Uh, it's not a goal of mine either. So what are some common symptoms that people should look for to be aware of that, hey, they might be experiencing some sort of gas exposure? Well, ones that we commonly run into is you know, hydrogen sulfide and carbon monoxide. So for instance, H2S at low concentrations, you would see it a little bit irritable with their eyes, their nose and throat, might even have some burning or tearing of the eyes and could even lead to shortness of breath. As that becomes more H2S in the area, you could have severe eye or respiratory irritation and even lead to a little bit of difficulty in breathing. CO, low exposures could be signs of headache, fatigue, uh, drowsiness, or even nausea. So those are two of the bigger gases that I guess most people test for. So those are the ones that we would like to go over with them. And, you know, there's different charts and things online or through our manufacturers that, you know, we work with our customers to present to the employees just so that they can know exactly some of the symptoms in case they are realizing any of those that they can let a supervisor know or have a way to determine what they're up against. Yeah, I definitely had an interesting experience where some employees were going into an area, they were contractors, and they actually had to hook up a mask to a gas line for oxygen. Next to that was an ammonia line, and they weren't clearly marked. They hooked up to the wrong line. The first one felt sick. 
then the second one hooked it up because he wanted to see if it was the gas or the person. So then he got sick. So I'm assuming that besides PPE, just proper labeling has got to be huge. Now, is there any sort of different standard on like hookups themselves is like this type of hookup is for oxygen, this type's for ammonia or, you know, having the different types of, has that ever been something that's required or is there a way to do that? No, I mean, typically we would see customers use like the bigger bottles of breathing air and they, yes, they should be labeled as such, or even they can use like the bottles that you would see on the back of like an SCBA and we can connect those up to an air cart so that it, you just put a regulator on the top of that system and then you can connect up your airline hose and uh, you can go up to 300 feet from that bottle of air and connect that up to a respirator. So yeah, you definitely want to label them properly. You know, I I actually did have a, a carbon monoxide exposure and illness a little bit myself working in the basement of an older office building. So it was, you know, something and more of the gas that we're kind of a little bit more knowledge about as far as I think uh, some of our energy companies give out warnings and make sure we have carbon monoxide gas monitors and things like that. So what other kind of gases do the equipment that your company provides test for? And what are some of the settings that these these other gases are mainly used at? Kind of you can leave carbon monoxide out there. We know it's everywhere, basically. What what are some of the other things? Well, there's a plethora of gases. You know, standard in your, I guess you would say a confined space monitor, which you would use for detecting a confined space before you enter. Typical comes with a, um, obviously, CO, hydrogen sulfide, oxygen, to measure whether the area has the proper amount of oxygen and it's not deficient or has too much oxygen in the area. And then also combustible gases. But besides that, you know, we work with manufacturers who have different sensors such as chlorine, ammonia, phosphine, chlorine dioxide, sulfur dioxide. So it all depends on the the application. But, you know, in, for instance, like a power plant, you would see a lot of folks carrying around a uh, sensor for SO2 um, because that's prevalent in that industry. You know, different things like a paper mill might have a different chlorine dioxide, but it's just different industries, you know, have some different beast. You know, we sell some to like the fire departments. If they have a, a swimming pool or area, municipal building, you know, they might need a chlorine sensor so that if they're ever called to, you know, a leak over at the pool, that they can detect for, you know, gases such as chlorine. So there's a lot of different sensors and a lot of different applications. So, you know, that's where we would love to come in and, and help um, to go over what's available and, and what makes sense for customers to have because sometimes if it's only a one-time use it might not be something worth maintaining and there's some you know different avenues to get into that i really can appreciate that i'm sure when people look at this they may feel overwhelmed of well what do i really need and what's you know too much and what's too little they obviously they don't want to go overkill but you also don't you know want to skirt around getting what you need. So that's great to be a resource for, for companies to find out what it exactly is they do need and bring that knowledge. Hey everyone, John Grove, CEO of Fit for Work. I wanted to take a minute to tell you about a one-of-the-kind subscription ergonomics program now available from Fit for Work. For just 500 bucks a month, you can get quarterly visits face-to-face from one of our Ergo team members who will perform physical demands analysis, Ergo risk assessments, and or deliver training of all different kinds. Then in between visits, you have on-demand access to the Ergo team for any questions that you might have. 
So rather than scoping out Ergo projects one at a time, now you get an in-person year-round Ergo partner that provides you more deliverables than you would for a typical project price. It's typically a third of the price. It's an incredible value and is easy to learn more at wellworkforce.com. Click on connect with us. Now back to the interview. Now, in looking at your website, we saw that there is uh, fixed gas detection units as opposed to portable. So what are some of the benefits or risks associated with using a fixed gas detection system as opposed to a portable that people may not be aware of? Well, yeah, fixed is definitely a good option for a lot of places. So basically, you would mount a fixed sensor to the wall. Good things about that is it it would have its own power source, so it's running continuously, um, which, you know, if you're putting these in a basement of a wastewater plant, you know, you could put a fixed sensor at the bottom, and then you can have a external strobe siren outside of the area that would be able to alert someone before they even walked into that building to know that there's a gas exposure in the area. Also, you can tie that into uh, systems within a facility like a, um, a SCADA system, for instance, at a wastewater plant that would be able to send a, a signal, whether it's an email, to a manager so that they would know if the place is unmanned, they would be able to know that they have a, a gas exposure at their facility and then they can react accordingly to that. So it's a really good system to for a lot of applications just to continuously monitor an area that may not be occupied but also they're set in one spot. So you just want to make sure that you see the size of the area that you're wanting to detect for and then work with someone to make sure that you have enough sensors or fixed heads out there to detect the area so that you're not giving someone false hope and maybe just putting one on the the left side of the building and thinking that that's going to detect for the whole room because obviously the gas has to come across that sensor just like it would a, a little personal monitor in order to get a reading to be able to send back to that external source of strobe or siren. And in talking about equipment, does Premier Safety, the company that you work for, do they service equipment as well? Or And if you do, does the equipment that somebody has on site, does, is it one that would have to originate from your company or can you service all sorts of equipment? And then also kind of along those lines, would you do the servicing on site or do you bring that into where you are located? Well, good questions. I guess we could tie that into Curtis's last question with the fixed monitoring. We have technicians that readily go out into the field and service fixed monitors, whether it's you know calibrations or replacing sensors for for our customers and customers who have purchased from someone else. We don't shy away from helping anyone who has those types of products. So we do have guys who work inside the office and do service of instruments. And we also go out into the field, obviously in instances like a uh, fixed system, it makes more sense. And it's the only way basically to do that, where we go out on site and we'll calibrate their instruments, whether it be every 90 days, 180 days, or at least annually, depending on the manufacturer. But yeah, we send guys out, they'll have the parts to fix those types of sensors and those types of instruments out in the field. And then we also have a lot of customers who will mail their instruments into us to to get fixed. And during that process, you know, we not only just calibrate the instrument and fix the sensor that the customer may say is giving them problems, but we also run a span check on all the sensors that are in the instrument so that we can be upfront and tell the customer 
a lifespan that they should be able to get out of the other sensors and and maybe it's something that they want to get replaced while it's in the service the first time rather than having to send it back in a few months. Great. And then if you come across a piece when you are servicing or you know somebody realizes listens to this and realize well shoot we've got to get some gas detection uh, equipment on site. Does Premier Safety rent out equipment? And if so, what what type of rental contracts are available, like short-term versus long-term, rent-to-buy? What do you guys have available? Yeah, we absolutely have a, a large fleet of, of gas monitors and also other confined space equipment um, on hand to rent. So even you know fall protection and different breathing air and, and different supplies. So we do rent instruments basically on a weekly, monthly basis. We do have some customers who will do a, you know, if they're going to be on a job for six months, we can work out some type of, of program with them. Or if it's even longer, we'd be happy to, you know, a la carte a system for, for the customer's needs. And um, we do this a lot, you know, whether some small companies might only have to get into confined space once or twice a year and the cost of maintaining a gas monitor you know, can be a little bit expensive when you have to buy gas, change sensors and, and whatnot. So, you know, they a lot of times will come to us for those two times a year and run an instrument for a week at a time and then just ship it back to us when they're done. And, you know, we keep it up and maintain the instrument and it's ready to go out to another customer. But we see that. And then also a lot of customers of ours will get, you know, maybe one big project at a steel mill or paper mill. And, you know, they'll need 50 guys outfitted with, you know, four gas monitor for a month. And, you know, the cost of buying 50 monitors is a little bit extreme for only needing them for a month. So, you know, they'll call us up and rent those 50 instruments and we take care of you know shipping them out to them. And then if something goes wrong with the instrument while they're out there, you know, we'd send them a replacement. So they're they're always up and running. And then they just ship those back to us at the end of of the rental period. So we work we'll work with you. And like I said, anything we've even had some customers as, as short as a day, they've running things for two days and send it back. So we'll, we'll work with you guys or our customers rather and, and find them what they need to, um, to complete their job or task at hand. Have you found that you've had to do a lot of educational services for companies? And is that something you guys will have somebody that's in charge specifically of doing trainings with companies? We definitely want to educate our customers. You know, that's one thing whenever they buy equipment from us, you know, we like to make sure that we get out to their facilities and help them whether they buy calibration stations for the instruments or even just showing them how to properly use their gas monitors, how to properly calibrate the instruments and bump test the instruments. That's something that we pride ourselves on is getting out there and, and doing a hands-on and making sure that the employees know exactly how to use the instrument and how the administrator, the safety professional probably would, would be able to look and determine whether or not the instruments are being calibrated properly and also to be able to see the data as far as, you know, if his employees are being exposed to gas, we want to make sure that the supervisors know what their employees are exposed to. And through some of the different calibration stations and softwares that we offer, they're able to to access that so that they can use that as a teaching tool. So yes, we absolutely go out and train. And we also have some partners that we would work with if someone needs, you know, more extensive confined space trainings and different applications like that. We have some some companies that we work with and we help guide our customers to get involved with them to uh, do more extensive training if necessary. Do you take care of people nationwide or just in a region or how do you handle if somebody in Alaska needs something? Well, we have, you know, a lot of reps throughout the country. I cover, you know, certain geography here, 
but we have people throughout the country. Obviously, we don't have anyone in Alaska, but you know, should the need come up, we would you know, look at that and find out whether or not one of our guys can get out there or some of the manufacturers we work with. We would definitely partner up with them. And if they have someone that covers a different footprint than us, then we would work with our manufacturers to make sure that we're getting the customer the proper support that they need for the job. Sounds like you guys provide all sorts of helpful ways and education and equipment and basically everything everybody needs surrounding different types of gases and gas detection. If any of our listeners had any questions or would like more information, what would be a good route as far as contact or being able to look up that stuff? Well, obviously they could feel free to, to contact me directly. Um, I guess I can give my number. It's uh, 412-298-0361, or they could email me at mdennis, D-E-N-N-I-S, at premiersafety.com, or they can feel free to visit our website, premiersafety.com, to see all the products and services that we offer, and I'd be glad to help them out in any way we could. And obviously, if they reach out to you, you can feel free to pass along my information. Definitely, Will, and we appreciate you having this service available because gas is one of those type of things. It's very impartial. It doesn't care who you are. If we're not meant to breathe it, it will affect you. And I have definitely know of you know, it, it affecting several people's lives in a very negative way. It may, many of my listeners may not know, but I'm a big Weird Al Yankovic fan, and his parents actually passed away from carbon monoxide poisoning. And you know, just that simple sensor in their house could have saved their lives. And I, I think having those simple things that uh, you help customers find the right solution, it doesn't have to be overkill, but those little things can really save people's lives. So thank you for doing what you're doing. We really appreciate your insights. Yeah, thanks for having me. And, and what you said is absolutely spot on. We always see, or not always see, but every once in a while we'll see articles and on the website or, or in the newspaper saying that, you know, someone in, died of a gas exposure and they left their gas monitor at the seat of their truck and they just continually, you know, they've done their job before in the past. So it's all about trying to educate the customers to, you know, you can have the right equipment, but you have to make sure that they're maintained and that the customers are, are, um, you know, trained to use the equipment and, and know how to trust the equipment. I do have to ask, how often do you guys make gas jokes? Every once in a while. Our customers like to make them a lot, I guess. <laughs> yeah, every time we go in to do some training, it either talk about what they ate the night before, or they'll talk about how they're going to put it behind the exhaust of their truck and totally ruin their sensors. But oh, yeah, we, we hear a lot of jokes about you know what this guy ate the night before and how he's going to set off his alarm today. So there's a lot of jokes. <laughs> yeah, and, and what's funny is each each person who says it thinks they're the first one to say it. Yeah, but they're not. <laughs> No, they're not. <laughs> awesome, Madeline. We appreciate your time. All right. Thanks, guys. I appreciate the time. We are really thankful that Matt could join us on this first episode of the new year. Curtis and I were just thinking about it, and we've both had some types of experience with gas exposure. And so we're two for two. That makes 100%. We figure that there are a lot of other people and probably some of you listeners out there that have had personal experiences with gas exposure. And Matt did a great job of letting us know about the different detection 
devices and education opportunities that his company, Premier Safety, provides. And so we were just really thankful for that and hope that you all took away something as Curtis and I did. I am definitely grateful as well because it's, you know, when they say silent killer, it it is possible, you know, no easier way than with gas. So we do appreciate his time and we want to thank you for listening to this episode of Workplace Injury Prevention, a Fit for Work podcast, where we are bringing the power of prevention to you. Please like and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. And to get started preventing injuries, please visit our website at wellworkforce.com or you can email us podcast at wellworkforce.com with any questions or comments and remember prevention improves lives. Mm -hmm.